Hey everybody, on this Best Up episode, we're highlighting Judge Matt Sebesta. There's a couple of reasons we wanted to replay this episode, and here they are. One, we think that his interview was very informative as to what the county judge actually does and does not do. And two, we premiered this episode the week of the freeze, and it kind of got lost in the chaos of that period of time. Because we think there's some great information here, we're going to replay it for you today. Here's Brazoria County Judge Matt Sebesta. The main thing is to listen that and, and engage. Uh, you, you've got to keep an open mind. R- really, that that is as important as anything. Welcome to Creating Community, a podcast designed to bring area leaders, business owners, and others together to better our community. I'm your co-host, Jake Starkey. And I'm your other co-host, Dorian Strickland. Today, we're at our home away from the coffee house at the Alvin Manville Area Chamber of Commerce. The chamber is always gracious enough to let us use their facilities, and we'd like to take a moment to thank them. If you're a first-time listener, we encourage you to subscribe to hear more. You can use Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you like to listen. If you don't have a podcast app you use, you can listen directly from our website at 1820coffeehouse.com slash podcast. In this episode of Creating Community, we're speaking with Judge Matt Sebesta. Matt's the county judge for Brazoria County, and we're excited to have him on the podcast. Welcome. Welcome (laughs) Thank you, Jake. Thank you, Dorian. It's a pleasure to be here. To start growing up my entire life driving around Brazoria County, I've seen the name Sebesta. So can you give me a little background on your family and kind of how long you've been in town (laughs) or the county? I have been in Brazoria County my entire life, almost 60 years. My mother grew up uh, here in Brazoria County. And uh, my grandparents came here in uh, about 1920 is when they, they uh, came to Brazoria County. My dad uh, came through on a seismic crew in 1954. Wow. He's actually from the Columbus area and met my mom and, of course, stayed. And there are actually quite a few different families of Sebesta, and none of us or not a lot of us are closely related. Uh, we probably all go back to the old country and have a great, 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 great grandfather <laughs> that we can, you know, tie back to. Sure. Uh, but uh, other than my brothers and sisters and immediate family, we're not related to any of the other Sebestas really? in Brasoria County. Wow. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. See, I see that name a lot. I never see my name, but I, people go, do you know, are you related to so-and-so Starkey? Like, no, I've never heard that name before in my life. So Okay. Yeah. Interesting to know. Yeah, it's it's when I went uh, went to college at Texas A and M in the early '80s, and back then there was a district attorney that uh, was named Sebesta. There was um, uh, the bakery in Schnook was owned by Sebestas and different oh, wow. families all around. And generally, each semester I would have a professor ask, "Are you related to so and so over owns the bakery in Schnook?" No. You related to the district attorney? No. And finally, my senior year, uh, Dr. Schiller asked, are you related to Leroy uh, Sebesta from Columbus? I said, finally. Yes, <laughs> that is my uncle. And um, he said, well, I was a very young professor. I'm from Columbus, and your uncle used to ride back and forth with me uh, on weekends sometimes to go home. Oh, wow. Yeah. Fantastic. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Well, well, let's tell you, you said you were going to A&M. Is that yes. right? So you were as an engineer. Is that what your goal was in life? Yes. I am. I'm a registered professional engineer and a registered professional land surveyor. That is my 
uh, what I went to college, chosen profession, and getting into politics was an absolute accident. Okay. Well, tell us about that. Tell us how that happened. Well, when I, when I graduated college in 1984, uh, I went to work for a local engineering firm in Angleton, a very small firm. And a lot of what we did was uh, work for developers uh, and spent a lot of time going to planning and zoning meetings, drainage district meetings, city council meetings. And I thought, hey, this is pretty neat. And uh, in 1989, I left that firm and I went to work uh, at the Dow Chemical Company as a contract engineer. And a good friend of mine, uh, Rudy Santos, who's now a port commissioner, actually in Freeport, he had recently been elected to city council. And I told Rudy, I said, hey, if y'all ever have an opening on planning and zoning, I would love to serve. I just thought that was really neat. You have something to do with as a city grows and and looking at the different developments that are coming through. And uh, that was in probably August of 89 and May of 1990, I got a call and said, you've been appointed to uh, planning and zoning. Appointed, okay. (laughs) Appointed to planning and zoning by city council. I said, cool, that's great, and started doing that. And then by 1993, I was the uh, vice chair. And a lady by the name of Ruth Hazelwood was the chairperson, and she was in her 70s and was like, all right, we're trying to get you up to snuff. And that election that year, uh, for city council, for mayor, one of our city councilmen, Roy Gardner, uh, in the middle of his term, ran for mayor and got elected. And that was in, you know, first uh, Saturday in May. And at the uh, second meeting in May that they had, he was sworn in as mayor. And that night, about 10, 10 15, I got a call and said, hey, we are in executive session, and we need to fill Roy's spot. And if you were appointed, would you serve? So, guys, I didn't apply. (laughs) I, I, you know, that's not something on my radar. And I said, well, my wife's already in bed. And I said, can I let you know tomorrow after I have a discussion? They said, we're in executive session. We're coming out tonight, and we're going to appoint somebody. Wow. And I said, well, give me 10 minutes. I woke her up, and of course she looked. And said, I don't care. Rolled over and went back to bed. We had three year old. At least you, know, you ask. Yeah, at least I asked. And uh, so I told him I would. And so that night I got appointed to city council. Wow! And that was in uh, May of 1993, and uh, I served nine years on city council. And then at the end of that nine years, I was being term limited out because we had uh, approved term limits a couple of years after I got appointed. Sure. And uh, the mayor resigned. So I ran for mayor. And that was actually the first time I ever had a contested race. My first four re-elections wow. as city council, I never had an opponent. And I got elected mayor in May of 2002, uh, which was after the mayor had resigned. It was just one year. And then in 2003, 2005, I was reelected. And then uh, uh, Jimmy Clawson was the Precinct 2 County Commissioner. And again, I was serving as mayor. I did that for four and a half years. But Jimmy called me and said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retire. Would like you to consider running for County Commissioner. And so thought about it, prayed about it, and, and did. And uh, was successful and, and got elected. And so I served two terms as county commissioner. And then 
Um, the same time uh, Joe King was elected county judge, he served two terms. He was going to retire after his second term, and uh, my fellow members on the court really encouraged me to step up and run for county judge. I did, got elected, so I'm in the middle of my second term there. So wow. going back uh, to May of 93, so uh, it'll be 28 years I've been in elected office wow. uh, this coming wow. May. So, And so was there... I think some people might hear that and go, oh, he got so lucky. He was in the right place at the right time. But you get to that right place at the right time by being willing to serve and being willing to participate. Why do you think it's important for people to be involved in local governance? I'm not going to say politics, local it, governance. <laughs> thank you. Because the, the the less politics, the better on the local level. And even, even all through, it's just do the right thing. Uh, people need to be involved in their community. And that is... When you find communities that seem to have issues, it's because there are not enough people involved. And the more uh, opinions, the more life experiences that you have to draw upon, you can generally get to where you need to be as a community. The communities where it's just a small, tight cord that are making all the decisions generally you're going to finally get to a tipping point where people are going to go, hey, enough. And so I think the more people that are involved in their community, you know, cities are always looking for volunteers to serve on parks boards, to serve on uh, various boards throughout. And it's generally hard to find people. And, and people, you know, it seems like we're, we're now in a society where there are, there's less volunteerism. Right. And yeah. so I think the more you can get people involved, uh, you can cultivate people uh, to be leaders and to serve in elected positions. I mean, right now we're, we're having, uh, I think there's another week or so left to file in local races. Okay. And, yeah. and there are still some uh, throughout the county in, in different uh, communities. There's no one has filed to, to run, you know, and they'll fill, you know, in the last minute or so. But, but I think it's just part of getting involved and helping shape your community. And, um, you know, from newcomers to, to old guard that's been there, you, you need to, a variety of, of opinions. Well, you, I, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say I, I agree. But. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think there's, a, there's at least some people out there, maybe a lot of people out there, that believe in order to be a judge, you have to have been an attorney before. But in your discussion about how you got there, that's clearly not the case. So, so what are the requirements in order to be a county judge? Well, a county judge is an administrative position. You can do the judicial part of it, uh, and you see in a lot of smaller counties, but you do not have to be a, an attorney. Uh, to do that. Almost all of the positions, you do need to be an attorney. But as far as the justice of the peace or a county judge, you do not. Uh, so the qualifications are, are you 18? Are you a legal citizen? <laughs> are you registered to vote? And do you want to do it? Yeah. And, and do you want to do it? And Yeah. So, um, so there's not a whole lot of qualifications. Uh, I think one of the things that really helps me is my engineering background because right. as engineers we're tr we're trying to solve problems sure and and a little bit of an analytical mind and and i think that has been an asset to me fantastic i think so too I, we'll get into the county judge aspect of it but um are there any lessons that you've had from planning and zoning to city council that kind of stick with you that, that or that jump out to you 
the main thing is to listen that and, and engage. Uh, you, you've got to keep an open mind. R- really, that that is as important as anything is, is staying open minded uh, and, and just try to do the right thing. And and that's what I try to live by. Yeah. So we want to jump into the your role as a county judge, but we're going to take a quick break and then we'll get back with Judge Sebesta. Hey everyone, it's your friendly neighborhood realtor, Parker White with New Villa Realty. It's not a secret the real estate market is red hot right now. Whether you have a dream of becoming a homeowner, your family's growing and you need more room, or if you're an empty nester, I got you covered. New Villa Realty specializes in helping our clients achieve their real estate goals through a stress-free process and open communication 24-7. You will never be left in the dark and I will be there with you for any questions you may have. Connect with me today so we can sit down and get you where you want to be. My phone number is 281-678-1811 or email me at parker at Realty, N-U-V-I-L-L-A dot com. I would love to meet you. I'm Jamie Scafidi, President and CEO of the Alvin Manville Area Chamber of Commerce. The Chamber of Commerce exists to provide support to businesses and organizations in the Alvin and Manville area. With various networking and marketing opportunities every month, the Chamber can help you grow your business. Learn more at alvinmanvillechamber.org. Hey, we want to take a quick moment and tell you a little bit about 1820 Marketing, the producers of this podcast. We believe that when businesses have quality marketing, it gives business owners the freedom to focus on what they do best. We design websites, produce videos, and create marketing materials that help clients grow their business. Find out more at 1820marketing.com. It's something different. And now back to the show. Well, I have a quick question. I, I've talked to Jake, and, and I don't know if everybody knows this, but Jake's mother was a judge. And I know Jake has shared, at least with me, and I've heard him telling other people, that when somebody comes up to him and says, hey, are you uh, Donna's son? He gets that thought, uh, is this good or bad, right? Are you running into that? Do you do you see that problem, particularly in today's environment? Absolutely. Uh, my brother, Pat, is one of our district judges. He is uh, he served four years as county court law judge, and he's now in his, I believe, fourth term as a district judge. And yes, over the years, I've had people come up and say, hey, are you related to Judge Pat Sebesta? And I will always look and ask, how do you know him? <laughs> sure. Yes. You know, if, oh, yeah, I did three years in the penitentiary. Because, well, yeah, I know him. But if it's, oh, I, you know, did this, did this, and it's great, you know, my, my kid played baseball for him, what have you, then it's, all right, we'll engage a little bit. But, yeah, I've, I've learned to kind of screen that. <laughs> sure. And I'll tell you a funny story here. Uh, when both of our, ki- our, our kids were smaller, he and I and, and an attorney friend of his, we, we coached a t-ball team and that year i was the manager so i had to go in and draft these kids oh yeah and you know it's hard to tell talent for from you know seven year olds six and seven year olds but from the two of them i get a list of don't draft this kid don't draft this kid don't draft this kid and it's like why am i not drafting this kid he actually he could catch a ball and 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 yeah, but I represented the mom in a divorce. Oh. <laughs> uh, the dad is doing six years because he it's got oh, a wow. drug charge or something. Say, so, 
we don't want the drama of the parents in that. So I had a list of kids I could not draft. So, yeah, okay. so, yeah. Not for talent, but for other reasons. Exactly. Yes, exactly. The, the parental drama. Yeah. Got you. Yeah. So, so the way I've described the, the role of the county judge, and I want you to correct me because I have a feeling it's not the best answer, is I equate the county judge and the county commissioners to a mayor and city council. Would you say that's somewhat accurate or? It, it's fairly accurate. Sure. Uh, there, there are some nuances to it. And actually in other states, uh, the county judge, I think we're the only, uh, Texas the only one it refers to as a county judge. Louisiana, it's the parish okay. president. Uh, in other states, it's the county executive. Other states, it's the county mayor. So oh, it wow. is a fairly hmm. good uh, because we are, we're over the, the, the budget, the finances of the county. It's just local municipal government and county government a little bit different. Um, municipal government, you can do anything that the state legislature does not disallow, okay? They say you can't do this, all right, you can't do this. County government, we can only do things that the state specifically says we can do. There are some things we cannot do, and, I, and I'll, t- I'll tell a little story on that. A um, number of years ago when I was county commissioner, up on 518, uh, there in front of, uh, I believe, the Target and Coles and area, people are selling puppies. Please. And so I had someone that, uh, you know, a city can pass an ordinance, hey, you can't sell dogs in a commercial parking lot. All right, passed, it's done. Um had a person complain to me, and so I got with the DA's office, and we went through it. There's nothing we can do. The state does not give us the ability to hmm. pass an ordinance or an order on that unless you are a county over, I think it was 1.75 million in right. population. It was a bracketed thing. Oh, you mean only Harris County can do that? <laughs> right. Yeah. And so I had to get back with a very irate citizen. Wow. And let them know, hey, your only recourse is get with the owner of the of the strip mall or the, uh, of the property. They have to file trespassing charges. Huh. The county, we can't do oh, anything. Wow. And, and, you know, it was okay. right outside the city limits of Pearland. But we our hands were tied because the legislature had not addressed that for hmm. counties of our size. That's an interesting distinction because I've never heard it put that way. But it makes sense that the city you can do whatever you're not told you or what you're told you can't do and vice versa it's a very interesting distinction and of course that's how it, texas does it it, it is <laughs> and that's why why uh, counties a lot of time when the legislature goes in session we kind of go batting down the hatches oh. what are they going to do to us this session so sure yeah wow and i like to think the brazoria county is fairly diverse obviously we're not harris county where it's a huge metropolis surrounded right. by smaller cities, but we have Pearland with 140,000 mm-hmm. plus all the plants, plus lots of different manufacturing. How do you, how do you balance? It's a large County. Yeah. I mean, it's all the different out, right? needs that are there. We are a very large County and, and we're kind of a microcosm of the state. You have yeah. large urban areas and Pearland of course is becoming a very urban area. Right. We have rural areas uh, west of the Brazos, we have you know a few small cities, but it's pretty spread out. A lot mm-hmm. of land. We've got a lot of farmland. 
We have a lot of corn. We have a lot of uh, cotton and, and rice still grown in Brazoria County. We've got beaches. We've got a very, very healthy industrial base. Yeah, uh, sure. So, and there comes the train y'all warned me about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Always uh, So, uh, we are. We're kind of a microcosm of the entire state. We have very sparsely populated areas. We have we have the beaches. Of course, we don't have any mountains, but uh, you know we'll we'll just have to pass on that part of it. But yeah. but it is a, a very diverse um, uh, county, and it's becoming more diverse every day. Yeah, it seems like it's got to be hard to balance the needs of. I'm not going to say plants are bad by any means, refineries or anything, but they probably have more profit-centered than rural areas. And it just seems like there's a lot of things to balance. I, I can only imagine in a city, much less, you know, extrapolated out to even a country. But in what, what, as an engineer, what's kind of your criteria or way of looking at it that kind of helps you make those decisions? We, we try to, I, I try to boil it down. What is the most efficient and effective way for the county to do business? And that's it. We, we have the things we have to do. You know, we, have, we, we pass a balanced budget. We have our road and bridge duties. Uh, we have to have our courthouse for the courts. We've got eight JPs, uh, two in each precinct spread throughout the county. We've got emergency management department to handle emergencies. One of those things that, that in a regular year flies under the radar is our health department which is there sure. to help give shots to kids going back to school. We've got our other services we handle. We have tuberculosis or that type of thing. But uh, I will tell you this, for the last uh, 10 months, my health department has been first and foremost. Right. Absolutely. And with everything we've had going on with COVID, they have been rock stars. Yeah. Uh, from as this thing has evolved from COVID first breaking out in the county to now as the vaccines are rolling out, my health department has just been absolute rock stars. And they've only had four days off going back to Easter Sunday oh last year, wow. Thanksgiving Day, Christmas Day, and New Year's Day. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is I think I saw a post from uh, the county for Thanksgiving that y'all were going to be closed. Wow. That's yeah. it's a long time to be working nonstop, it, and it's it, to me it's a very fluid situation to begin with. That, that for lack of a better discussion, hurricanes we're used to. We we've kind of seen them come. We understand the process. It's just the degree to which the, a, a hurricane the bandage is ripped off pretty quick. Correct. Yeah, it's going to happen, and, and it's ripped off. It happens, and then you're in recovery mode. Mm -hmm. the, the pandemic has been different because yes. it is just. Kind of, it's new. We haven't had this happen since the, the late 19 teens. Right. And so anybody that was around that is around now that was around then was a toddler. It's a totally different, sure. totally <laughs> different. I know we had, uh, Oh gosh, three or four, five months ago, we had, I believe a hundred and two year old that passed away from COVID. And I'm sitting there going, wow, wow. they were born during the first the, the last pandemic we wow. had. Yeah. And so it just, you know, kind of, kind of struck home a little bit. Yeah. Well, well, you know, you, you mentioned healthcare workers and how they've been, I mean, on the clock all the time, clearly, clearly based on our discussion and your description of it, you're doing a lot of stuff as well. Compassion fatigue is a real thing. So what is the, what is your means of being able to 
kind of get past that so that you're not really wearing yourself down? Ah, uh, that's a good question. I try to spend a little time in the garden in the evenings. Yeah. Just get out, pull some weeds, just try to decompress. Right. Uh, because I know I was on the phone last night until well past 11, dealing with some of our issues. And first thing this morning, dealing with uh, some additional issues that we've got going. So, right. um, you know, we always have uh, things going on the weekends. I, I do my daily reporting to all the mayors, city managers on how many cases they've got going. Once I get that report from the health department for the first six months, probably five months, I was kind of hard-headed about leaving the engineering department to having the weekends off, and I was checking all the addresses as they come in to see, all right, this is, you know, we need to notify this EMS sure. and what have you. And finally, about mid-September, I said, all right, enough. Engineering department needs to handle that. They handle it Monday through Friday. I, I need to hand that over to them permanently. Right. And they've done a good job. It's We've had all departments of the county have come together. Um, you know, my PIO officer, Sharon Trower, she's got folks from the county clerk's office that assist her. She's got people from our IS department that assist. Uh, so we've got a lot of different departments that are doing different things and working together sure. uh, to serve the citizens as we go through this. And it, it's it's been stressful a lot of time. Right. So, yeah. And for those that heard you throw out PIO, that's public information officer. That correct? is correct. Yeah. Yes. I, I know having been military, uh, I'm used to throwing out acronyms and people go, well, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. So I want to throw that in when I can so that I for those that are listening, they, yeah. they can catch up with Thank us. Thank you. With us. I've been a PIO, so I heard that and just <laughs> shot right past me. Didn't even. So you said you do stuff on the weekends. Do you take time with your kids? Do you guys still do baseball or? Well, uh, thankfully, my kids are thirty-one and twenty-six. Oh, so they're not playing t-ball. <laughs> no, they're not playing t-ball. That that was that was from twenty yeah, years I got ago. You, I got you. Yeah. So no, my kids are grown. Hell, I'm I'm almost sixty. So uh, my kids are grown, and and they they have careers and addresses that are different from mine. So <laughs> that's, that's the a, that's best a, news, right? That's the best news. Uh, yeah. So, no, we just try to, you know, my wife and I just say garden, just try to decompress. And her, her she's always had great cooking skills, uh, but she's done a lot more cooking during this yeah. because we've kind of uh, uh, tried to, tried to keep bringing, tried to keep from bringing COVID home. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, my mother-in-law sure. lives uh, across the driveway from us okay. and, and didn't want to infect her with COVID. And, and unfortunately I did bring it home oh. at Christmas. And oh, so Merry Christmas. all three, all, yeah, Merry Christmas. All three of us went through, uh, COVID ourselves. Okay. And so luckily we, we all had uh, mild to moderate cases and right. yeah. so. what so, do you think is the, uh, the biggest change that happened during this last year of the pandemic that you think will stick with us as we move forward? I hope just the general uh, about just hygiene that needs to wash your hands. That is something that will carry forward uh, for, you know, sneeze into your a tissue or, or your sleeve, right. wash your hands. That will carry benefits, you know, from now on with, with cold season, flu season and everything else. I'm hoping our compassion for our fellow human beings will, uh, will carry forward. And I know it's been kind of rough at times. And For this, sure. this uh, the last 10 months have been a challenge. 
uh, because it seems like uh, some of the messaging has gotten convoluted. And, you know, we talked a little bit before we went on the air about social media and, right. you know, the positives and the negatives sure. of social media. And, and, and it's hard to find a lot of a lot of positives these days because there's just so many opportunities for misinformation to for sure. to get out there and, and and it's really confused people. So right. I'm hoping as we move forward, uh, you know, we're in a situation now where we're right at uh, two months. I think tomorrow is two month anniversary of uh, the first vaccine being approved. Wow, has it been that? It's it's only been two months, and uh, on the nineteenth will be two months that the Moderna vaccine has has been approved. Johnson and Johnson goes before the FDA on the twenty sixth of this month, and as we continue to see, there's not enough vaccine uh, yet, and I'm hoping that the uh, number of vaccines, uh, the the allotments coming to the county and to the state from the federal government, because a lot of people don't understand how that works. The federal government every week allocates to the states and then the state allocates to different jurisdictions. And uh, so we never get what we ask for. And uh, we, we do the best we can. You know, any any uh, vaccine that comes to the County of Brazoria's health department, right. you know, we spread across all four of our health clinics. Uh, we've got a, a health clinic right down the, right down the street here in Alvin, We've got one in Pearland, Angleton, and Lake Jackson. And then we dole out the last few weeks, we've been doling out some of our allocation to Sweeney Hospital, oh. west of the Brazos, our more rural part of the county, so that we have uh, sure. a, a kind of a shock clinic west of the right. Brazos. And so we have been managing that. But we also have um, close to 125 additional providers in Brazoria County, most that have not been allocated any vaccine wow. yet. Uh, so we've got some some great partnerships, a community health network, which right down the street here has a clinic. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been getting some vaccine and, and getting it out. We've got uh, Memorial Herman in Pearland, Kelsey Seabold in Pearland. Uh, you know, most of our pharmacies, a lot of doctor's clinics, UTMB, Sweeney Hospital, uh, CHI St. Luke's Hospital in Lake Jackson. So we need to see more and more vaccine coming to more and more providers right. to, to yeah. spread out the ability for people to get a Got vaccine. You. So, yeah, As you kind of look forward, obviously this pandemic is not going anywhere anytime soon. What's your vision for how we get out of this? And what, what, do you kind of, what are you holding on to for the future to kind of put, pull through this? We, we will get through it. Mm-hmm. It's just, um, you know, ask for people's patience. Uh, people are tired. They're sure. they're impatient. Many have seen losses in their families or someone they know. Uh, they see folks that are struggling with the aftermath of having COVID and, and having some long-term effects. But, you know, we do have a vaccine now, uh, or two vaccines, about to have a third one. And, and the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is going to be a game changer because hmm. it is a single dose. Oh, Right wow. now, Pfizer and Moderna... Mm-hmm. You know, if you get the Pfizer, you've got to get a second dose 21 days later. If you get Moderna, you have to have a, 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 a do, another dose 28 days later. And you can't cross. You can't get Pfizer the first time, Moderna okay. the second, or <clears throat> vice versa. Um, so we're Johnson & Johnson. It's a one-time. So that's going to be uh, a game changer because that will really assist 
Uh, so you have a stand-up clinic, drive-up clinic, or that type of thing, uh, or hub where people can come and get a vaccine. They get it. They're gone. Done. Yeah. Now it's uh, when, when you see a, a public event like we had at Alvin Community College, at Community Health Network did a couple of weeks ago, where they, they set up for, you know, I think they had uh, 100 people come in. That was kind of their little test. And they're committing four weeks down the road to do that same thing with those same people. And so with the Johnson & Johnson, you won't have to do that. And so wow. I think once we get into mid to late March and then into April, when not only do you see more Moderna and more Pfizer vaccine coming in as they increase the production, you'll see also the Johnson & Johnson and I think that's going to be a big help. So, so, the, so those people that aren't able to get vaccines right now soon will be, you believe? I, I think so. And, and soon is a relative term. Absolutely. Yeah, soon is to people means in the next two hours. Well, we also thought the pandemic was going to be a couple of months. <laughs> well, well, I mean, that's what we thought. A so. lot, a lot a of lot people of thought. But if you, <laughs> if you listen to the health professionals, they, they would tell you pandemics are a long-term thing. Right. And, and so... You know, we, we've just come off kind of a second wave, uh, which I think we saw post-Christmas, right. where we yeah. saw some pretty high numbers. And we're still seeing, we're seeing way too many deaths. We're averaging over two deaths a day in Brazoria County. Right. And, and that's just too many. Um, so, but I think there is a light at the end of the tunnel as we get our 1A and 1B people, uh, which 1A or the the the, the medical professionals that are that are dealing with patients. Sure. 1B are the 65 and over uh, or anyone under 65 that, that has some, some health issues, yeah. uh, cancer survivor, diabetes, you know, whatever. Uh, I think once we get through those, uh, I don't think there'll be as much high pressure as there is right, right now on some of our seniors that are, you know, say an 80-year-old who has been cooped up for – nine or 10 months yes. and, and, you know, they see themselves going, you know, I, I really wanted to travel. I, I really want to be with my church family. I really, right. but I am concerned mm-hmm. because, you know, I, I do have some, some health considerations that yeah. uh, it would not be good if I got COVID. And, and if you look at the folks that we've had that have passed away in Brazoria County and, you know, by and large, most are over 65. And, and so, you know, it, it's just a, a, something that people have been very concerned and very cooped up with. And believe you me, we all want to get so people can get back to normal. We can go back to our restaurants. We can go back. People that have have stayed away from church because they're afraid of getting infected or or anything else, people people want to get back to their normal lives. Sure. They they want to do what they were doing. And and this has been been stressful on many levels for for folks. (laughs) I would agree. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Well, we really appreciate you coming in and spending some time with us. I, I've, I've enjoyed visiting with y'all as well. This this has been something to be glad to come back at any time. Well, I appreciate that. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And and the Brazoria County website is? BrazoriaCountyTX.gov. Thank P-I-O. you, Sharon, my P-I-O. P-I-O. <laughs> yes, thank you. She is sitting right here. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Thank you for tuning in. Creating Community is available on Apple, Google, Spotify, or whatever podcast app you use. You can listen directly from our website as well. We would really appreciate your support by sharing our podcast with your friends and family. 
Another special thanks to the Alvin Manville Area Chamber of Commerce for allowing us to record here today. To learn more about the chamber, visit alvinmanvillechamber.org. This podcast is produced by 1820 Marketing. For show notes, visit 1820coffeehouse.com slash podcast. 